Section two of Farewell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Farewell by Honoré de Balzac. Translated by Ellen Marriage. Section two. It was like some haunted spot shunned of men the twisted ivy stems clambered everywhere hiding everything away beneath a luxuriant green mantle moss and lichens brown and grey yellow and red covered the trees with fantastic patches of colour grew upon the benches in the garden overran the roof and the walls of the house the window sashes were weather-worn and warped with age the balconies were dropping to pieces the terraces in ruins here and there the folding shutters hung by a single hinge the crazy doors would have given way at the first attempt to force an entrance out in the orchard the neglected fruit trees were running to wood the rambling branches bore no fruit save the glistening mistletoe berries and tall plants were growing in the garden walks all this forlornness shed a charm across the picture that wrought on the spectator's mind with an influence like that of some enchanting poem filling his soul with dreamy fancies a poet must have lingered there in deep and melancholy musings marvelling at the harmony of this wilderness where decay had a certain grace of its own in a moment a few gleams of sunlight struggled through a rift in the clouds and a shower of coloured light fell over the wild garden the brown tiles of the roof glowed in the light the mosses took bright hues strange shadows played over the grass beneath the trees the dead autumn tints grew vivid bright unexpected contrasts were evoked by the light every leaf stood out sharply in the clear thin air then all at once the sunlight died away and the landscape that seemed to have spoken grew silent and gloomy again or rather it took grey soft tones like the tenderest hues of autumn dusk it is the palace of the sleeping beauty the councillor said to himself he had already begun to look at the place from the point of view of an owner of property whom can the place belong to i wonder <sighs> he must be a great fool not to live on such a charming little estate just at that moment a woman sprang out from under a walnut tree on the right-hand side of the gateway and passed before the councillor as noiselessly and swiftly as the shadow of a cloud this apparition struck him dumb with amazement hello d'albon what is the matter asked the colonel 
i am rubbing my eyes to find out whether i am awake or asleep answered the magistrate whose countenance was pressed against the grating in the hope of catching a second glimpse of the ghost in all probability she is under that fig tree he went on indicating for philippe's benefit some branches that overtopped the wall on the left-hand side of the gateway she who ah how should i know answered m d'albon a strange-looking woman sprang up there under my very eyes just now he added in a low voice she looked to me more like a ghost than a living being she was so slender light and shadowy that she might be transparent her face was as white as milk her hair her eyes and her dress were black she gave me a glance as she flitted by i am not easily frightened but that cold stony stare of hers froze the blood in my veins was she pretty inquired philippe i don't know i saw nothing but those eyes in her head the devil take dinner at cassan exclaimed the colonel let us stay here i am as eager as a boy to see the inside of this queer place the window sashes are painted red do you see there is a red line round the panels of the doors and the edges of shutters it might be the devil's own dwelling perhaps he took it over when the monks went out now then let us give chase to the black and white lady come along cried philippe with forced gaiety he had scarcely finished speaking when the two sportsmen heard a cry as if some bird had been taken in a snare they listened there was a sound like the murmur of rippling water as something forced its way through the bushes but diligently as they lent their ears there was no footfall on the path the earth kept the secret of the mysterious woman's passage if indeed she had moved from her hiding-place this is very strange cried philippe following the wall of the path the two friends reached before long a forest road leading to the village of chauvry they went along this track in the direction of the highway to paris and reached another large gateway through the railings they had a complete view of the façade of the mysterious house from this point of view the dilapidation was still more apparent huge cracks had riven the walls of the main body of the house built round three sides of a square evidently the place was allowed to fall to ruin there were holes in the roof broken slates and tiles lay about below fallen fruit from the orchard trees was left to rot on the ground a cow was grazing over the bowling green and trampling the flowers in the garden beds 
a goat browsed on the green grapes and young vine shoots on the trellis it is all of a piece remarked the colonel the neglect is in a fashion systematic he laid his hand on the chain of the bell-pull but the bell had lost its clapper the two friends heard no sound save the peculiar grating creak of the rusty spring a little door in the wall beside the gateway though ruinous held good against all their efforts to force it open aha this is growing very interesting philippe said to his companion if i were not a magistrate returned m d'albon i should think that woman in black is a witch the words were scarcely out of his mouth when the cow came up to the railings and held out her warm damp nose as if she were glad of human society then a woman if so indescribable a being could be called a woman sprang up from the bushes and pulled at the cord about the cow's neck from beneath the crimson handkerchief about the woman's head fair matted hair escaped something as tow hangs about a spindle she wore no kerchief at the throat a coarse black and grey striped woollen petticoat too short by several inches left her legs bare she might have belonged to some tribe of redskins in Fennimore Cooper's novels, for her neck, arms, and ankles looked as if they had been painted brick red. There was no spark of intelligence in her featureless face. Her pale, bluish eyes looked out dull and expressionless from beneath the eyebrows with one or two straggling white hairs on them. Her teeth were prominent and uneven, but white as a dog's. "'Hallo, good woman!' called Monsieur de Sucy. She came slowly up to the railing and stared at the two sportsmen with a contorted smile, painful to see. "'Where are we? What is the name of the house yonder?' whom does it belong to who are you do you come from hereabouts to these questions and to a host of others poured out in succession upon her by the two friends she made no answer save gurgling sounds in the throat more like animal sounds than anything uttered by a human voice don't you see that she is deaf and dumb said m d'albon minor rights the peasant woman said at last ah she is right the house looks as though it might once have been a minorite convent he went on again they plied the peasant woman with questions but like a wayward child she coloured up fidgeted with her sabot twisted the rope by which she held the cow that had fallen to grazing again stared at the sportsmen and scrutinized every article of clothing upon them she gibbered grunted and clucked but no articulate word did she utter 
your name asked philippe fixing her with his eyes as if he were trying to bewitch the woman genevieve she answered with an empty laugh the cow is the most intelligent creature we have seen so far exclaimed the magistrate i shall fire a shot that ought to bring somebody out d'albon had just taken up his rifle when the colonel put out a hand to stop him and pointed out the mysterious woman who had aroused such lively curiosity in them she seemed to be absorbed in deep thought as she went along a green alley some little distance away so slowly that the friends had time to take a good look at her she wore a threadbare black satin gown her long hair curled thickly over her forehead and fell like a shawl about her shoulders below her waist doubtless she was accustomed to the dishevelment of her locks for she seldom put back the hair on either side of her brows but when she did so she shook her head with a sudden jerk that had not to be repeated to shake away the thick veil from her eyes or forehead in everything that she did moreover there was a wonderful certainty in the working of the mechanism an unerring swiftness and precision like that of an animal well nigh marvellous in a woman the two sportsmen were amazed to see her spring up into an apple-tree and cling to a bough lightly as a bird she snatched at the fruit ate it and dropped to the ground with the same supple grace that charms us in a squirrel the elasticity of her limbs took all appearance of awkwardness or effort from her movements she played about upon the grass rolling in it as a young child might have done then on a sudden she lay still and stretched out her feet and hands with the languid natural grace of a kitten dozing in the sun there was a threatening growl of thunder far away and at this she started up on all fours and listened like a dog who hears a strange footstep one result of this strange attitude was to separate her thick black hair into two masses that fell away on either side of her face and left her shoulders bare the two witnesses of this singular scene wondered at the whiteness of the skin that shone like a meadow daisy and at the neck that indicated the perfection of the rest of her form a wailing cry broke from her she rose to her feet and stood upright every successive movement was made so lightly so gracefully so easily that she seemed to be no human being but one of ossian's maids of the mist she went across the grass to one of the pools of water deftly shook off her shoe and seemed to enjoy dipping her foot white as marble in the spring 
doubtless it pleased her to make the circling ripples and watch them glitter like gems she knelt down by the brink and played there like a child dabbling her long tresses in the water and flinging them loose again to see the water drip from the ends like a string of pearls in the sunless light she is mad cried the councillor a hoarse cry rang through the air it came from genevieve and seemed to be meant for the mysterious woman she rose to her feet in a moment flinging back the hair from her face and then the colonel and d'albon could see her features distinctly as soon as she saw the two friends she bounded to the railings with the swiftness of a fawn farewell she said in low musical tones but they could not discover the least trace of feeling the least idea in the sweet sounds that they had awaited impatiently Monsieur d'albon admired the long lashes the thick dark eyebrows the dazzling fairness of skin untinged by any trace of red only the delicate blue veins contrasted with that uniform whiteness but when the marquis turned to communicate his surprise at the sight of so strange an apparition he saw the colonel stretched on the grass like one dead Monsieur d'albon fired his gun into the air shouted for help and tried to raise his friend at the sound of the shot the strange lady who had stood motionless by the gate fled away crying out like a wounded wild creature circling round and round in the meadow with every sign of unspeakable terror Monsieur d'albon heard a carriage rolling along the road to l'isle-adam and waved his handkerchief to implore help the carriage immediately came towards the minorite convent and Monsieur d'albon recognized neighbors monsieur and madame de cranville who hastened to alight and put their carriage at his disposal colonel de sucy inhaled the salts which madame de granville happened to have with her he opened his eyes looked towards the mysterious figure that still fled wailing through the meadow and a faint cry of horror broke from him he closed his eyes again with a dumb gesture of entreaty to his friends to take him away from this scene monsieur and madame de granville begged the councillor to make use of their carriage adding very obligingly that they themselves would walk who can the lady be inquired the magistrate looking towards the strange figure people think that she comes from moulins answered monsieur de granville she is a comtesse de vandieres she is said to be mad but as she has only been here for two months i cannot vouch for the truth of all this hearsay talk 
Monsieur d'Albon thanked Monsieur and Madame de Granville, and they set out for Cassan. "'It is she!' cried Philippe, coming to himself. "'She? Who?' asked d'Albon. "'Stéphanie! Ah, oh, dead and living still! Still alive! But her mind is gone! I thought the sight would kill me.'" End of section 2 Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey